You are now listening to The Sooner Serve. All right, join us now. We have Travis Davidson, creator of the OU Rumor News Twitter Spaces, co-host of the JP and Trav Show. You can also listen to him on The Ref. So, Travis, we really appreciate you joining us here today. And about a year ago, Lincoln left, and your life kind of blew up on social media and just with OU football in general. Can you kind of tell us about that and kind of how that's been? All right, great. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, it was quite the whirlwind, right? Um, I think anybody that was no U fan at the time started, you know, first and uh, foremost in disbelief because we had heard all the rumors about LSU. He shot down the LSU rumors, so we figure everything's good. Uh, and then we get that, you know, that report that says he's gone to USC, and all of our phones blow up from all of our friends that know real U fans saying, "What happened?" And and we didn't have any answers. So, um, you know, after receiving plenty of calls and texts and tweets and everything uh, from others saying, hey, what do you know about this? I was like, all right, we got to at least comb through some of the rumors and whatnot that people are spreading and, uh, you know, debunk some of these things. So Twitter Spaces was a, a very new platform at the time and hadn't really been used, I think, uh, as well as it could have been. I think it was more used as a bunch of people talking at once uh, without a lot of organization. So um, myself got got, got it started and, uh, mostly with Parker Thune as well from 247 um, and then one of my KREP uh, um, associates, if you will. So anyways, we just started doing it at 9 p.m. every night and it was, it was wild. Thousands of people joining every night and um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I think it was I think it was more important almost to dispel some of the misinformation that was out there um, than it was even to kind of get new information out, um, you know, kind of with this social media world and things like that. We can kind of look at it that way is which is more important, right? Is it more important to make sure that you have the exact right information or more important just to bat away all the uh all the misinformation that's out there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, the last, uh, I guess, full year now, basically, um, has been has been a lot of fun. It's, it's definitely turned the life upside down. Yeah, and I can, I can say, Travis, I mean, we were on the spaces, and it was kind of like a healing process for us fans, for sure. And just, you know, through that time period, just – kind of just healing with what Lincoln had just done to OU. So uh, you, that was just awesome to listen to. And just, I mean, did you expect like where you are now on like on the radio and everything? Did you expect that to happen or is that just kind of just come from all that? No, it, it's actually interesting because, you know, my background um, is restaurant ownership. So um, I had multiple um, through the pandemic, things like that. So I got really used to just being, I mean, I was kind of the go-to in Tulsa as far as how restaurants were handling the pandemic. So I was on every major TV news or local TV news network, everything like that, and then in a couple of uh, national publications. So I'd kind of gotten used to at least the media side. Um, so it was it was kind of a comfortable 
transition. But yeah, I think it was it was more so, you know, you talk about healing, like, oh, you have never been dumped before, and certainly not in the social media age. And that's what it was. Like he wasn't fired, he wasn't like, oh, he wasn't so wasn't the end of the con I mean we it was we got dumped. So um you know, it was grieving. I've always said I'm, I was more of a grief counselor than anything uh, in that, uh, in those in those weeks, of course. And I tried to give hints every once in a while. I, you know, put out on Twitter that you know we were going to have the space, and I'd take a picture of two Bang energy drinks, and it was an orange one and a purple one. And I did that a few nights in a row, different flavors of orange and purple, to try and signal that Brent Venables was going to be the coach. But I couldn't actually report it, so. Uh, tried to, some people figure it out and DM me, but, um, yeah, I, I never would have expected what this turned into, but, um, you know, they reached out to me, a couple of radio stations reached out and said, Hey, you know, you run your Twitter space like a radio show. And, uh, you know, you're hosting these things for, I mean, sometimes up to six hours. And, you know, is that something that you'd be interested in? So I started with a segment, um, and, then went to a show, and now, you know, I've got the weekly show, and then I do pregame and postgame on KRAF, and I love it. Yeah, well, I mean, Travis, just like you were talking about, you know, you're like a show and stuff you do. I really enjoy that. It's probably one of my favorite things because, you know, the ref, I really learned about that from you and uh, Parker Thune, and I can just say that's something I want to do whenever I get older because me and some other people on this show, too, we all want to go into journalism. So, but I mean, yeah, it's really just great to hear you do that stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. And we, we always talk about, hey, we're the home of Sooner fans. Like, this is, this is what we do. I was talking to somebody just yesterday who's an OSU fan, um, but his dad coaches and this, that. He likes to listen to OU stuff, too. So he – he was listening to the animal and the animal had brought up a rumor that Jackson Arnold might be flipping to Notre Dame because this random Instagram account, CFB.recruits, I think is the name, put out a list of a bunch of Notre Dame quarterback recruits, um, or quarterback targets, if you will, uh, and one of them was going to flip and they listed Jackson Arnold on there. So somebody sent that into the fourth animal and this, that, and the other, and then I had to answer questions in my DM for the next, you know, two hours because of it. But it's it's funny, like, you know, you have a lot of stations that do kind of that 30,000-foot view of sports, right? So it's like they're talking national. They're talking um, different sports. They're talking OSU, Thunder, all that kind of stuff. But KREF listeners, like, we we pride ourselves on being the home of center fans. We, you know, we will talk about specific recruits. We'll talk about rumors about them. We'll talk about, oh, man, um, this recruit seems to be liking a lot of tweets. You know, like, just the really dialed-in stuff. And that's, I think that's what people want to hear. In an, in an age where, in an age where podcasts are so popular, podcasting is so popular, uh, it's very easy for people to specialize. So if I want to listen to a podcast about uh, refrigerators, then I could probably find a podcast about refrigerators. If I want to listen to a podcast about gardening, I can listen to a podcast about gardening. Well, sports radio kind of has to adapt, right? Because there's not a lot of people that want to listen to a podcast specifically just or listen to anything that's so broad. Because people don't have broad interests, they have specific interests. 
So that's why I like Hayrick so much is because we kind of are the answer to the um, podcasting world, right? To where it's like, hey, <clears throat> we we're we're really dialed into one specific topic, which is OU sports. But we've got Teddy Lehman, we've got Parker Thune, we've got Chris Plank, we've got Toby Rowland, we've got radio legend Mike Seeley. You know, we've got a lineup that, you know, quite frankly, just podcasts just don't have because you wouldn't have that many people on a podcast. So um, I, I think we're really well set up. Obviously, our app is really, really push. Um, so uh, everybody download the KREP app that's listening to this. <laughs> Shameless plug, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think it, you've got to – Media has to start understanding where the rest of media is going if they not only want to survive, but if they want to thrive. Yeah, uh, Travis, thanks again for joining us. Appreciate all the insight. You mentioned earlier about kind of being a grief counselor uh, during that time. And, you know, as a lifelong OU fan, we've had, you know, just phenomenal quarterbacks here. I think Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and he's had great numbers. I saw your tweet, uh, I think this last week about the numbers he's put up and the offensive rankings and, uh, levy and everything. But I think that a lot of us maybe had hopes that Dylan Gabriel was going to be as good as these guys. And he's had a great year, but do you think that we kind of cheated him with those kinds of, uh, thoughts at all, uh, going in and thinking that even Brent Venables was going to be able to, I mean, was there a little bit of false hope? with some of that, with what we lost, do you think? Um, I think uh, <clears throat> I think the AU teams in the past were gilded. Um, so gilded, of course, a lot of times they'll, they'll paint over some wood or something with some, some gold paint, and then you can strip away that paint, and it's just, you know, it can be rotting wood underneath. Um, I think having Dylan as a quarterback – and having him not be that real, like, savior type, that number one pick type, I think it's actually good for the program because for the longest time, I mean, really for the better part of a decade, we've had quarterbacks that it didn't matter how bad the defense was. The quarterback, whether that's Baker or Kyler or Jalen or even Spencer or Caleb, like, they could come in and fix everything. So you would have some of the worst-ranked defenses in the country and certainly some of the worst-ranked defenses to ever play in Norman it wouldn't matter because you would win 10 games, 11 games. You'd go to the playoff. You'd win Big 12 championships. You'd do all this. But then there was really no pressure to, to maybe get a coach that could really coach both sides of the ball, to really prioritize defensive tackle recruiting or safety recruiting. You know, there was really no, I don't know, you get comfortable and you can place them, right? And when you don't have somebody pushing you and you don't have adversity, it's really hard to grow. It's really hard to find the problems whenever you're lifting a trophy, right? That's, that's not what <clears throat> that's not what you do. You don't lift a trophy and then say, oh, man, we got to fix this. You say, okay, well, you know, a couple plays go this way or that way, then, you know, maybe we'll lift another trophy. So I really do think it's good because, you know, the hero for the longest time for OU football you know, the aforementioned quarterbacks, they were, you know, rescuing the damsel in distress, which was the defense. And all those times you go and you rescue the damsel, you rescue the damsel. Well, I think it's about time to Norman to tell that damsel to stay out of trouble, stop needing to be rescued. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. It's if we can keep the damsel out of trouble, get her on the straight and narrow, if you will, 
then we stand a, we stand a lot better chance against the more complete teams because what happened every time we got up to a national stage? We'd get our doors blown off and everybody would laugh at us. And I, somebody on the text line the other day was like, look, man, all I know, I was a lot happier last season when we went when we won 10 games or whatever. It's like, okay, sure, but those are empty calories, man. Like, those are empty calories. You Sure, you're probably happy when you eat donuts, and you're probably happy when you eat just pizza, and that's what you're happy when you eat candy bars, all that kind of stuff. Like, but that's not what, that's not what a strong foundation is built on. That's not, that's, that's going to set you back over and over and over. So those, those wins that really don't mean anything on a national level, those, those are just getting you fat and, and they're empty calories. You need that defensive structure. And I think this year is actually perfect for it. I mean, it's a good reset year. You always get that first year head coach bump in the recruiting rankings or in the recruiting cycle, which we've seen from Texas like every two or three years. It always seems like they get the new coach bump. So with that, you're seeing a little bit, bit of that, and it's a perfect time to get a complete culture change heading into the SEC. So I do think Dylan takes way too much flat from the fan base. And part of it is because um, it's called the streetlight effect. And the streetlight effect uh, is really based off of, off of a joke. So a drunk man is in a park. Drunk man loses his keys. Well, a cop walks up to him and he's under this street light looking for his keys, right? He said, Oh, you know, you're under the you're under this light looking for your keys. Oh, what happened? He said, Oh, could you help me look for him? So they both are under the light and they're looking for the keys, looking for the keys. He said, Are you sure this is where you dropped them? And the drunkard goes, No, I dropped them in the park. And the officer goes, Well, why are you looking under the light? And he said, Well, I can see under the light, it's easier to look here. So the problem is with that, sometimes people look to blame where it's easy to blame, where it's easy to see. Well, it's very easy to see, don't get me wrong. He's a starting quarterback. He's got the ball in his hands, every single offensive play outside of the wildcat. So it's very easy to blame Dylan Gabriel because it's obvious, one man, boom. If you don't know anybody on the team, you know the starting quarterback's name. Well. On defense, you don't know the play call. You don't know, you know, the run fits. You don't know, you know, what they might check to. You don't know the coverages. You don't know anything like that. So it's very hard to determine who's screwing up. So it's just much easier to say, oh, we can't win with Dylan. It's like, really? Because we have the 120th ranked rush defense in the country. Like, I think that might probably dictate, you know, whether we're winning or not, that that could be an issue. But again, the defense is the part in the situation, right? It's really hard to look at, in the defense specifically and find blame. It's really easy to look under the streetlight, aka Dylan Gabriel, and say, oh, well, this is where I got point blank. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Travis, you're a big 918 high school football guy. Why do you think OU struggles to get commitments from top recruits in the state? Well, you know, over time, I had, you know, found excuses, right? It was like, oh, well, we weren't going to go after Dak Hill that hard because Justice, you know, was already playing at OSU and it just didn't, you know, the family maybe wasn't a thing. And then, oh, we, we weren't going to go after, 
you know, whoever for this reason or the next, right? Like just explaining away person after person um, of why we didn't. But, you know, after a while, it's, it's interesting because here in Tulsa, we're, I'm actually also closer to University of Arkansas and to Stillwater than it is Norman. Um, Norman obviously is very close to the Dallas Metroplex. So I do think that Venable's plans to paint kind of a, you know, or build a bigger fence around Oklahoma, I would like for it to come farther um, out this way, which, of course, when you look at everybody who's won state titles for the last 25 years, they all reside in the East. So you would think that that's where they would come. They did a good job last cycle. Um, obviously, with Robert Spears Jennings out of Broken Arrow, uh, Jade Moreau out of Union, Gentry Williams out of Booker T. Washington. Um, so you, you get some of those guys. We're obviously hosting uh, a Union, uh, I believe, defender that's a Tulsa commit um, this weekend. So there, there's there's a little bit, obviously, Micah Tease. Um, that was kind of a position thing, but I talked to Micah a lot. Um, he, he's definitely not all out on OU. He just wants to play wide receiver. But, um, yeah, I think I think OU could admittedly do a lot better job uh, in the 918. But I think, you know, if you've got if you've got one way and you've got say I don't know, call it Union. If if Union's as long as a drive as Denton Dyer is, well, Denton Dyer's got two five stars, a couple four stars. They, they're just absolutely loaded, right? And in that Denton area, it's a big OU stronghold. Well. You know, there's not a five-star in the entire state of Oklahoma, let alone on the east side. So I think just where they're trying to spend their resources, a.k.a. time, um, I think they'd, they'd rather go that way. But I think you start to see kind of kind of regionally where the, where the recruiting will settle. Uh, every head coach kind of has their own area. You'll start to see a big Kansas, uh, Kansas City area, St. Louis area. Um, you know, situation with Brent Venables kind of being from that area. Um, and then obviously you'll, you'll see through Dallas and depending on, you know, what we do with the wide receiver coach position, that will expand that footprint. So it's very much like a game of risk. Um, I'm probably dating myself a little bit, but it's kind of like a game of risk, man. Like you just start to take over territories and recruiting and then you expand your footprint. All of a sudden, you know, you build those pipelines and if we can build a pipeline, either from Katie Paytow uh, or uh, anywhere in the Denton area, then we're going to be in really good shape. Yeah, Travis, I know you're a, you're a union guy. I'm a broken arrow guy. Um, you know, haven't had much luck against union, obviously, but who, uh, if you had to pick the best high school player you've ever seen play live in the state of Oklahoma, who would that be? Who ever? Yeah. Okay. Live. So I would say, I would say that Kiwan Jones would be probably my pick, and again, that's dating myself a little bit. But being a being a Union student at the time, at the height of Kiwan Jones' power, and really that coincided with the height of Jinx's powers, uh, man, he uh, he ruined a couple years for me uh, as a Union student. But Kiwan Jones was incredible. But the the older I got, and kind of the I suppose the better I got at actually watching football, um, it would probably have to come down between Braylon Presley and Micah Tease. I mean, Braylon, 
Braylon was one of those guys that, I mean, they could use Braylon against Jinx this year. It's very much, if things are going wrong, kind of like basketball, they talk about, like, you just need a guy that will get you a bucket. Like, at the end of the day, you just need a guy that can go and score. Like, if you're finding an offensive drought, maybe you're, the plays you're running aren't working, maybe the, maybe the you know, the other team, you know, got a good game plan against you. You need to be able to find somebody that can just go get a bucket. That's what Braylon Presley was for, you know, one of the most dominant stretches in, in, you know, Oklahoma high school football a long time. It was anytime something wasn't working for Bixby, you just get the ball out to Braylon and he'll take care of it for you. So um, he would be up there for sure. And then Micah, Mike is interesting because he's so wildly talented as just a football player. So like Gentry's a better athlete, like track star type situation. Um, but you look at Micah and he's like, this dude's a football player. It's kind of like how you look at like Eric McCarty, like this dude is a football player. So Micah would play both ways. So he play wide receiver and he play safety. And one, one of the things that, you know, most impressed me was, you know, I was on the sideline one day and, he, his quarterback throws a pick six. It was against Big Jackson. His quarterback throws a pick six. And, like, it was to Micah, but it was just wildly underthrown, and Micah was open, but uh, he, he couldn't get back to it in pick six. Well, Micah runs over, instead of going on the coverage team for the PAP, he runs over to the quarterback, like, walks on the sideline. Uh, you know, he's got his head hanging and whatnot. Micah picks him up, kind of like the old uh, – um, the old keep your chin up gift that we've all seen on basketball. He's, you know, he's the one that really wanted to talk to his quarterback, keep his confidence up, things like that. So not only just talented football players, but people that are really good teammates and understand the importance of playing with confidence, things like that, that really stood out to me. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, talking about uh, uh, Bra- uh, Braylon Presley, though, I go to uh, – Bixby as a student, and I'm a junior. So, and I mean, I would say I watched him from whenever I was in, I want to say seventh grade to tenth, if I remember properly. But I mean, yeah, it's like I've gone to a lot of Oklahoma high school football games, and he was just absolutely insane. I mean, it's like it felt like there were some times where we would have like three negative plays. It'd be like fourth and thirteen. You would just throw him the ball on the screen pass, and it was a guaranteed touchdown. Yeah, the kid is unfair. He, uh, I was uh, at one of their games one night, and I took a video of one of his touchdowns from the uh, perspective of the end zone that he was running towards, uh, and I texted it over to Kale Gundy, and I was like, "Hey, man, I was like, we gotta, we gotta recruit this kid. Like, we just have to." He's like, "Well, you know, like, we, obviously we still had uh, really Brown in the class at the time, um, who obviously went out to USC now, but really." Kind of had a similar build, but was a bit, um, a bit thicker, a bit, a bit more explosive physically. Could run through a guy if he needed to, whereas Braylon would just run around somebody. And I thought, well, if you think the league's so good, why not get a second one of him? But you know, those guys got paid a lot more money than I did to put together rosters. But I just kept watching Braylon, and I was like, man, this guy, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna wish we got this guy. Yeah, I, I'll date myself too, Travis. Uh, I've graduated BA in '95, actually, so I saw Justin Fuente. Uh, oh yeah. Play, and he was just an awesome high school quarterback, man. Uh, but yeah, Kiwan Jones' son is a freshman at BA and getting some time, I believe, this year. Yeah, he's got good size to him. If I uh, 
uh, if I remember correctly, I think I watched him what, last Friday in, their, in, the, in the playoff blowout. Um, I forget who they blew out, but one of the West Side schools, I think. But, um, yeah, it, he's, he's the real deal, and, and that's one of those things you you hope that OU's in on him early, obviously. You know, that's a long way from now, but it's never too early to start locking in those, those local kids. Well, I mean, yeah, Saturday, it's a game that might determine whether or not OU gets into a bowl game, OSU. And so, Travis, like, what are your thoughts heading into that game? I mean, do you think we're going to win? Do you think we even have a chance to win? I mean, what kind of team do you think will show up because of all the inconsistencies we've seen all year? Well, I think, I think, and and I'm, I've been accused of being a sunshine bumper, you know, a bunch. So, you know, you got to take, you take that uh, with this. But, you know, I think we go out and play our best game because our defense has really improved uh, over the last few games, uh, like situationally. It's just that our depth is really struggling. Uh, you can't have Danny Sussman out there for 90 snaps, you know, trying to stop the run. It's just not a lot of bodies can hold up to that, you know, being so thin back there. So developing those, those freshmen for next year, uh, it's going to be important to get the depth in that linebacker room. But, you know, OSU's defense, Eric Gray is going to have another big day. I think you run the ball well. I think you win the time of possession. And you just got to make the layups, man. You just, we've, we've dropped too many touchdowns, which Marvin Mims plays much better at home. So I expect him to have a good day. Um, and I just think you can't. You can't have dumb penalties, and you have to make your layups, which if, you know, you run the ball a bunch, which opens up the deep ball, that deep ball's got to be hit, whether that's Dylan hitting them or whether that's Marvin holding on to the ball. But I think we I think we hit on multiple deep balls tomorrow, and uh, I think we get out of there. I think we get out of there with a win. I really do. So, Travis, you've mentioned, uh, like, overall recruiting quite a bit. Uh, do you think that – our recruiting would take a hit if we're not able to make a bowl game this year. Do you think there's going to be a few guys that flip? No, no. I think that, um, I mean, when it comes to flipping, I think I just have a kind of a different philosophy as a lot of other people because, like, take the, let's see, 2020 class, for instance. We had nine flips, nine. And that was, I mean, that was, a, a, a good team, right? You're coming off. That was the Jalen year. So Jalen was playing while we were recruiting the 2020 class. So that was a playoff team, right? 2019. So while we're inking that class, we had nine flips, including some five stars. So when you look at things like that and you say, oh man, you got Anthony, or not Anthony Evans, but Caleb Spencer. Colton Vosick, they both flipped because we're losing. It's like, guys, two flips compared to nine when we're going to the playoffs? Like, it, recruits care very little about wins and losses of the current team. Like, A&M has been losing, and they're still paying, but it really got concerning when kids started getting suspended, when, you know, the video of Denver Harris comes out, you know, and speeding through the parking garage. Um, the suspension, or I mean, the, uh, like dismissal from teams, that kind of stuff is a lot more alarming because 
it has to do with the culture, right? That's going forward. So, I mean, guys can see, like PJ Abare, he can look at the team that we currently have and look for himself on the roster, right? He's going, hmm, is there anybody else on the roster with an 84-inch wingspan um, with a motor that just doesn't quit? Oh, there isn't? Sweet. I'll probably get to play a bunch. With Jackson Arnold, he can say, hmm, Levy sure gets a ton of these receivers wide open. Do I think I can hit him? Yeah, I do. He likes to run the ball. Can I run? Oh, yeah, I can. So when they look for opportunities, they look for education, they look for NIL, they look for coaching, they look for resume, right? These are proven teams that have worked at high levels in the SEC or in Brent's uh, case, in multiple national championships. So I think, I think the, I think fans take wins and losses about a hundred times uh, more seriously than um, players do. Because players think, okay, I can come in and fix this. Hey, I see the vision. I see the foundation. I can be a start of something special. Whereas fans say, man, like, I can't go to my, I can't go to work anymore and talk crap to all my college football buddies because they'll make fun of me. I can't talk crap on Twitter anymore because they'll say 49-0, 49-0. Man, my dad, you know, my dad's uh, Sooner teams, they were the Switzer years, and man, they won a bunch of titles. I want to be like that. Or my, my dad's dad, they were the, you know, they were the Bud Wilkinson teams, and, you know, they, they won a bunch, and, you know, it's, it's stuff like that, like OU fans think historically, right? Because they've been an OU fan for a very long time. These kids growing up, they're just starting their OU story. And they want to write it themselves with a coach like Brent Venables, with a coach like Jeff Levy. So I think the perspectives are just 1,000% different. Yeah, so Travis, we really appreciate you for joining us. But like before we go, we've got a couple score predictions. But I've been seeing this thing uh, – Audience rent all over Twitter this week. Can you kind of tell us about that? Uh, yeah, happy to. So um, I co-founded a tech company um, in February that is kind of cutting edge. So what we do is we rent people's social media following to advertisers. So like if, um, let's just say for NIL. So it's a chicken restaurant if Raising Cane's wanted to do an NIL deal with Dylan Gabriel. Typically what you would do is say, hey, Dylan, would you post a picture of you in a Raising Cane's hat or a Raising Cane's shirt or whatever and say, hey, use my code to get whatever, right? Like you, they have to publicly endorse it. Really what Raising Cane's wants is the eyeballs of Dylan's followers. So that's how they would expect to get that. What our company does is we can take Dylan Gabriel's social media following on Instagram and Facebook, and then our system puts it into their Facebook ad manager and their Instagram ad manager to where they can, they can, you know, create an ad and then just click on Dylan Gabriel's Instagram following. Then when they run that campaign, all of Dylan's followers will see that ad. So it's it's really a targeting tool for uh, digital advertising that is, you know, cutting edge. We're the first people to do this. So we've got big clients like Mike Rowe and Tim Kennedy, and we're currently onboarding 
Lauren Chamberlain and Jocelyn Allo and Billy Bowman, and we've already got Spencer Sanders on there. Um, we've got about 70 million records, as we call them, or followers um, on the platform right now. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and it creates a lot of good opportunity for NIL because if the guys don't, guys or girls don't have to go to a photo shoot or don't have to go to or don't have to, you know, shoot a commercial or do an ad read or be on a podcast or be on a, you know, what on a whatever, like they can spend more time on the field. They can spend more time in the classroom. They, the fans don't know that they've got a deal. Their teammates don't know that they've got a deal. It, it keeps everything a little bit more under wraps. So you don't have any negative PR possibilities. So yeah, we're, we're really excited about it and it's going really well. Yeah, that sounds great, man. It really sounds like it's a, almost making it easier for both sides of the parties when it comes to NIL. But before we get off here, we just wanted to get your prediction, score predictions on three games, first of which being Bedlam, second of which we have Cowboys fans on here and we have Vikings fans on here. So we're wondering about that game and then obviously BA Union tonight. All right. So um, so the three games, so I'll go OU OSU first. I'm going to go 38. 35 Oklahoma. I think when you look at what our points per game is, when Dylan is the full-time starter of the game, uh, we have an eight-game sample size there with some really good defenses in it, like Baylor and Iowa State. That is 37.75 points per game. So I really like that 38 number um, to be within that. But I think it's going to be a close game because I think late their run game will have success against our linebacker depth. So um, I would say 38-35 Sooners with, uh, I think, with probably OSU scoring a late touchdown. So I think it would be 28-38, and then they would score a touchdown to 35-38. Um, with the Cowboys-Vikings, um, Vikings 100, Cowboys 0. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, you know, the Vikings, they've been finding ways to win in the fourth quarter. And I think this Cowboys rush defense isn't exactly um, what they would like it to be. Um, Diggs is on a bit of a less lesser pace of interceptions this year as well, which is good. Um, I think T.J. Hawkinson signing was massive. I mean, third down pickups have dramatically increased with him. I mean, in his first week. He has nine catches. Three of them uh, are for third down conversions. So he's a really good uh, security blanket for Kirk Cousins, who's playing with a ton of confidence right now. Uh, I think like five next five games are at home, if I'm not mistaken, for the Vikings. So it's good for them to kind of get back where they play much better, which is uh, um, at uh, uh, at home. So I think score prediction wise. I, I don't think it's going to be extremely high scoring. Um, I think something like 24-20 Vikings. And then lastly, Union Broken Arrow. I feel like these high school games are so high scoring these days. Um, I don't have, I don't know, Union has not lost this year. They're coming off a bye. I know BA got very little resistance. Um, in their first round game, um, but 
got to go, got to go with a buy with, and I, one of the nice things for union sake is, you know, they were preparing for a broken arrow in that matchup. I mean, that's, that's one of the, one of the tough things about a buy sometimes is if the teams you're waiting on are very evenly matched, you have to prepare for both of them. Uh, I don't think this was the case in this situation. So I think they've had two weeks to prepare for broken arrow. I think they're already the better team. Um, so let me go. Let me go 42-35 Union Redskins as I graduated with them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Travis, thanks again for joining us on here. We really appreciate it. All right, guys, that was Travis Davidson joining our show again. And, and now let's kind of talk about tomorrow's game, today's game, I guess, against Oklahoma State Bedlam. Probably the last Bedlam home game, and there's a lot of uncertainty right now. So, guys, kind of what are what are y'all's thoughts on this game? It's Bedlam. It's a rivalry. If this any if this team had anything left to play for, it's this game. Uh, but I'm nervous because I don't I don't know what team's gonna show up. There's too many inconsistencies with this team. So, one thing I'm curious on is uh, the psyche of. You mentioned you you got to get up for this game. Well, that's a – I mean, we should be up for every game. Is, uh, OU should be up for every game. But the thing about this one that's different is when was the last time OU, even though they're the favorite, which is crazy, when was the last time they went to a Bedlam game this this bad of a football team? And I hate to use the word bad, but what year would that have been, guys? Yeah, the year we had – was it Blake Bell at quarterback? 2014 was Cody Thomas. Cody Thomas did take reps. One thing I will say that uh, Travis alluded to on and and mentioned on the uh, on the segment he was on was he talked about almost like this is a it's a good thing that OU doesn't have a superstar quarterback. How he almost mentioned that this is like a weeding out process of the weed and the, the filth and the, you know, the bad part of the program, this is needed. So that was a different perspective, I guess. And I've looked at it and probably that most Sooner fans have even looked at it because as Sooner fans, unless they're in the playoff, it's, it's a down year. So that did cause me to, you know, take a step back and realize this is a process. I've been one to be on uh, the staff and led me in the offense and the defense. So I, I do see that part of it, but still, that's why I just want to see the young guys play tomorrow. If you if you ask me what's the one thing I want to see, Bedlam, I want to see some guys who haven't had a whole lot of time get some time tomorrow because we've already talked about this. The redshirt thing, that's not going to matter now this late in the year. These guys can play. Who do you yeah. guys see as maybe getting opportunities? You're not going to see it. You're, none yeah, of them are playing. It's not going to happen. None of it's senior night. Yeah. They're going to play the old guys, dude. Come on. Oh. Justin I mean, Broyles is going to play injured. He's going to play 90 snaps. <laughs> uh, he's out. He's not playing tomorrow. I don't think he is. But David Aguilar's team captain. What's his injury anyway? David Aguilar's team injury, guys. I thought it was Achilles, but I he he can't play on that. Hyperextended knee or leg. He's not playing. I I hope that all these seniors get the opportunity to really like. 
just go out there and play a snap because this is the first team that's setting the foundation for what Brent Venables' future is going to look like. Obviously, this team's not near as good as what we expect the teams to be in the future under Brent Venables, but this team is kind of setting the culture and setting the foundation for everything that's to come. Jackson, did you say that you hope the seniors get the opportunity? They've had it for four years. Who do you – wait, what did you say you cut out so bad? I said I, – I recall you saying that you hope the seniors get the opportunity. Is that what you said? Well, no, yeah. That's well, what he said. I mean, yeah, they've had it for four years. They've had it for four years. But it's senior night. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Five and five. The best. Yeah, like people don't realize you can call it a down year all you want. Yes, it is that. But a down year is making a bowl. There's going to be seven teams making a bowl from the Big 12, guaranteed. And there's a very, very, very good chance that OU is not one of them. They're one of the three teams to not make a bowl. That is awful. That should never happen at Oklahoma, regardless of how much we lost from last year. It's still Oklahoma. We should still be winning games. And right now we're two and five in conference play, and there's well, a yeah. very good chance we finish well, the year I mean, two and seven. Guys, I, I'm on the same page, but my concern isn't really the offense. I feel like it's the run defense. Like that, that's kind of what scares me. Our defense, and I don't but, know. Part of me doesn't. OSU know doesn't have a great running game. Uh, Spencer Sanders is going to rush for a hundred. Other, other than yards. Spencer, though, other than Spencer, he, he did get a new shot in his arm. Did you see Dean Blevins' report today about some new technique they're using? No, I saw it, but you know, what did he say? It was just some kind of new uh, medicine or technique of giving. It's some kind of treatment that they're doing, and it makes it night and day where he basically can't feel the pain. Uh, but. Spencer Sanders, you got to have a spy on Sanders. See if he can beat you. No one's really killed OU down the field, been wide open. It's just the players haven't made plays. In years past, when the defense was so bad, there are guys running wide open. This year, it hasn't been like that. It's been which, better. They which tells me it's not, it's not coaching. It's players. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it's going to be a coaching problem if the spy is David Aguebu tomorrow night. For sure. I was fixing to say that. I don't dare want to see David Aguegu at QB spy. If there's anyone at QB Canic. spy, it needs to be Deshaun White or Jaron Canick. Put Canick no, in Bowman. and spy Sanders. Bowman. Dude, you have to have him in coverage. There's no way you can rely on freaking Trey Morrison and Key Lawrence to cover consistently in the back end the whole game. They haven't done it all year. Hey, here's what I'm hoping tomorrow. I'm, I'm really thinking, I really have a good feeling maybe the OU's going to play really well. I, I don't know why, because I've been pushing, picking against OU. You know, I picked West Virginia last week to win the game. I think I was the only one of us that picked that. I got laughed upon multiple times on this pod, but I picked West Virginia to win the game. But for some reason, I think OU's going to play really well tomorrow. I really do. Offensively, I think they're going to put up about 40 points. Well, you I, also I really, said that last week. No. Okay, I did. But I'm just saying, I, I – and. I, for them, if they could win these last two games, just I, mean, I know we're all down on them, but if they could somehow get some momentum, win the last two, and going into a bowl game, I mean, it would be huge. And I think we're going to see it starting tomorrow, and also with, with this recruiting weekend. We haven't really got into it, 
This is such a big weekend for recruiting. I mean, David Hicks is there. He's We saw it tonight on Twitter. He's already there. You got Peyton Bowen coming. I mean, those are a couple five stars. Hey, we got to get we got to get some of these guys somehow. This is a must win. Must win. It is a definition of a must win. What's going to happen? Brendan Presley's going to probably have another game of his life in Bentley. I mean, last year he was phenomenal, Uh, and it's going to happen again. And yeah, so you has limited the big plays and perspective to years past, but. Against, I mean, TCU was one big example. The big plays were every single play almost. I mean, uh, I don't think Spencer Sanders is anywhere near that, but I do think there's a very good chance we see the Spencer Sanders that people thought after three weeks was going to maybe win a Heisman. Hey, I got a question for y'all. Hunter, Jeremy, all y'all. What, uh, first off, what, Part one of the question is, what are your thoughts on Mike Gundy as a coach for OSU? Okay. And because I have my own thoughts about him. But second off, and it's kind of a part two of the question. I don't know if y'all have watched any of his press conference this year, but do you all feel like he can say stuff and it's like he gets away with it a little bit? Okay. Don't get me wrong. He's a good football coach. I can't give him that. And also, like, he's so arrogant. And then I'm going to hand this over to Jeremy because I know he he's definitely going to go on a rant about him. Which, and, but I mean, he's just so annoying. Like, he's like, I'd rather hear Steve Sarkeesian talk than Mike Gundy. It's not even about the talking. Look, Mike Gundy is a perfect fit for OSU football. He's not someone who's going to go to a, I don't want to use the term big-time program because OSU is a good program, but they're not a big-time program. They're not blue blood. Mike Gundy would never go anywhere like that because he's got it made in Stillwater. He's a perfect fit for Stillwater, but he's also needs to understand, and I, I know he does, that OU's had their number way more times than, than not. And for him to he, – he can – and this is what I'm going to say about Venables tomorrow. Okay. Okay, because Gundy Gundy comes across as arrogant, as someone who's going to take risk, and you watch every Bedlam game in the past, he folds, puts his tail between his legs, he doesn't try anything. Talking about Mike Gundy, tomorrow, Brent Venables better not be kicking any fifty-yard field goals, and better go for it on fourth and one and fourth and two when you're a five and five football team. That's what I want to see tomorrow, and Mike Gundy. That's he's been criticized for that for the last ten years against OU. Let's see what Venables does tomorrow because you, you got to pull stuff out of the hat. You have to win this game, whatever it takes. Hey, well, also there's a stat I saw that if a Drake Stoops and OU get the dub on Saturday, Drake Stoops will have more career wins against OSU than Gundy will have against o- OU. Drake. Hey. Hey, Mike Gundy is a great coach, like for OSU, and I think he's actually a, a really good coach. Uh, I mean, what he's done with OSU, like just the players he's gotten there, and and it seems year after year they're pretty dang good. I mean, this year's kind of a under year for them, but I mean, because they start off so good this year, but but every year they seem to be in the hunt lately. I mean, he's a great coach, but what he said the other day in the press conference. I, I don't believe it to be true when he said if he'd have went to OU, then right now he would probably be the head football coach at OU. 
I don't know if that's true. I mean, he would have. He would have. You think? Yes, he would have been over an who? OC. He would have been an OC and OU like Heupel was, and he wouldn't have one got fired, and he would have stuck around to the program. He's as loyal as it gets. Both of the Gundys are. I mean, Gail Gundy was here forever, uh, but he would be the, the head coach at OU right now. I guarantee. You think so? Yes, he would have been a long time OC under uh, Stoops. And then once Stoops retired, he wouldn't have took over. Jeremy, what do you have to say about that? Do you think uh, he would be the head coach at OU? It's hard for me to guess because timing of things and what would have happened. I do agree with Hunter that he'd have been the OC. What if his offense might have looked like? I There's no way of telling. I know they would have been pretty good. But it, it is odd to me that – and loyal is the word for the Gundys, for the Gundy family. But I don't ever see Mike Gundy leaving Stillwater. Unless they just be lifetime contract. Yeah, he's not going to leave. He's only going to use other options to get more money, like he's done in the past. I, I mean, kudos to him, I guess. But I I don't know. I just don't think he's ever going to leave OSU. That's a great fit for them. But I know there's a lot of OSU fans who aren't in love with the guy. Yeah, Yeah. but I think I think that was more in the past. I think the last few years they've kind of they've kind of kind of just honed in that he's their guy. I mean, I think I, I heard a lot of the, the squabble maybe like three or four years ago, but the last few years I haven't heard any of it hardly. I mean, outside of what Gundy said this week, he is by far one of my favorite coaches. Like his whole, I'm a man, I'm 40. Oh, that rant he's was loyal, awesome. As loyal as it gets. I mean, the stuff he said this week, some of it is just nonsense. And then the other stuff about, rivalry games not meaning as much to players anymore as they're friends with rivals i mean he has a point on that i actually agreed with that how, i actually agree how with everything that. has shifted from there uh but i mean i i'm not gonna lie to you and say when everything happened with lincoln i wouldn't have loved for gundy to come to you like i think he's a really good coach uh I mean, it's obvious it's not going to happen. He has a lifetime deal. And according to him, he doesn't even have an agent. Because, I mean, why do you need an agent? Like, you don't even have to really ask for more money there. Like, if he makes any sort of comment that he's unhappy, they're just going to pay him more. I got a question for everyone regarding the game tomorrow, or I guess today when this is posted, but... What would you guys say the biggest key to winning this game is? We've talked about how the offense has to play good, the defense stopping Spencer Sanders. And so what would you guys say like the biggest thing would be to, to me to, to me it's it's not a it's a it's not a play on the field thing. To me it's the emotion, it's the want to I to be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot of like just pumped up things going on from OU. Like, I mean, let's get excited. This is Bedlam. This is a rivalry. I, the last rivalry game, if y'all remember, didn't go very well. 49-0, do I have to remind you? Yeah, it was not Gabriel playing quarterback. Davis, Davis. I, I'm just saying, let's show up with the attitude. It's Bedlam. It, it could probably be the last Bedlam game in Norman. It's a night game. You got all these recruits there. Freaking show up and get off to a great start. That I hey, think the I, start is what's big. I've said all week that 
or I mean, I said it last week on the post game that rivalry games don't matter to this team anymore. Like they have no heart. But one thing I will say is maybe this can serve as a motivation for the team as James Droz will be on the sidelines and it would be great <laughs> to get a rival win and get what happened? Yeah. I mean, that's, that should serve as some motivation for this team. But I think the biggest thing for OU to win tomorrow is to limit the amount of time Turk sees the field to only be on, uh, holds for PATs. You, you can't be punting the football over yeah, and, and over and over again. And you, and you, can, and you, you cannot miss wide open receivers. You can't miss Jay, wide open receivers. You, you made a statement. Jay, you made a statement that I just gotta, I've gotta refute. You, you said it's not play on the field, it's emotion. Dude, they've been, they've had emotion in other games. Watch them when they picked one off last, last week against West Virginia. They're going crazy. It's about, and this is the difference, and it sounds so cliche, make plays. The, the, the balls that we should intercept, we gotta intercept. The balls that we should catch, we gotta catch. Right? You do those things. I agree. The tackles you gotta make, you make. You, you you can't get in the backfield, Isaiah Coe, on a third and three and have a guy for a two-yard loss and he goes for ten. Make plays. It has nothing to do with the emotion on that part of it. They're going to be hyped up. Make plays. I agree with you, but but what I'm saying too, though, is when, when I said Gabriel's got to hit those open receivers, the weakest part of OSU's defense is their pass defense. They average giving up like 300, I think 310 for a game. Gabriel should have a great game tomorrow. If he doesn't, OU's going to lose, period. We'll see how many wide receiver screens we throw tomorrow, Levy. I, I do hope we do something to Braden Willis. He actually made an interesting comment in Podcast on the Prairie, and it was about that he's probably not going to reap the rewards or the benefits this year, see the fruits of his labor this year, almost like conceiving that, you know what, I'm probably not going to get maybe what I deserve here. But he's excited about Brent Venables in the future. But I also took that a little bit like, you know, I feed me something. I mean, yeah, am I but wrong he, in that? no, you're right. But he is going to reap the rewards because his draft stock has just soared. I feel like that comment was kind of shade at DG on, like he's just not getting the ball with him. But it's not meaning it's more of a player issue than a a coaching issue at times. But Boy, there's no reason to not get him the ball in the red zone. I mean, a guy that big, it's it's kind of hard to overthrow someone that big. I agree, but I'll say with my key, I think you need to, to control the time of uh, possession you have the ball. Because if you can just ground and pound with Eric Gray, right, Yes, see now look, there that's the issue because this offense still, whenever they're in no rush, they still snap the ball with twenty seconds left on the play clock. And I don't know why. They need to get that figured out, but I think if it gets to the point where we're up by ten in the fourth quarter, we're gonna have to learn to be patient because Oklahoma State can easily hit one big play with Spencer Sanders on a run or a deep pass to Brendan Presley and boom, the momentum's flipped. So I think you need to feed Gray and have more explosive plays in OSU. Hey, I think the issue with uh, trying to drain the clock is, is what usually happens when we start to transition into that is we can only pick up a couple first downs, and then it's like, 
okay, we get stopped and then stopped and then stopped again. So it's third and 10. And then we just end up having to either punt the ball away or attempt to field goal. It's just drives get stalled way too much we, when we're trying. Exactly. We, we've, we've not shown that clock. we can actually, we, you're right. We haven't shown that we can actually run the ball when we have to run the ball. It's been a problem. And that's when, you know, I think the Braden Willis wildcat that we ran could be effective. There's some other things we could do with eye formation. I think that I'd like to see some of that. If we're getting in that situation, you can't just have Gabriel and shotgun and do his own read every single time. Isn't OSU without their leading defensive tackle? Yes. Wasn't he the one who stepped away for the year for the draft? Yep. Uh, no, he's a DN. Uh, Brendan Evers? Yeah, he's a DN. I, I don't know his name. He's just from Bixby. Yeah, he went to school. Hey, hey, the reason this game is is so massive, well, there's, there's multiple. One, one is obviously you get bowl eligible. Two is I know, and we heard Travis say it earlier about, you know, player recruiting players, they don't necessarily look at your record, and I get it. But also, like this game, you have so many recruits there. It's a night game. They need to perform well. This is this is supposedly, we all know it's the little brother. Like, OU dominates OSU. So they need to go out there and win this game. I mean, you got recruits that, yeah, five and five doesn't matter. It's a new coaching staff. But it does it – does, the energy and everything coming off a win tomorrow night would be massive, I think, in the recruiting stakes of some of these players, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. Jeremy, tomorrow when David Hicks, you know, shows up and well, he's there now, like if, if OU somehow flips him, like I, I very – I remember you on this pod after Hicks chose Texas A&M. I remember you saying there's no way Venables will welcome him to OU again. So what what is kind of like? Do you think they are welcoming him here tomorrow, or do you think he's just coming to? We're gonna go on this again, and I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told you. Yeah, then. I'm going on it again because I'm tired of it. Every time you I'm say gonna, there's these are these are 18 year old kids, and you're expecting them to, that their decision they make is final. And it's like we don't want him now. He chose Texas A&M. If you go back and listen to the pod, which you won't because you don't want to hear. I do actually. I've listened to him before. So yeah, well, go ahead and tell me what you said. I already know what I said. You already I know what you said, what too. I said, but you didn't say it the right way. I said if you put a true serum in Brent Venables, okay, the way that whole thing was handled was not right. They should have went. He should have went to the coaches and said, look, I'm going to commit to A&M. He should have been up front about it. You, there's no possible way Venables and the rest of the staff approved necessarily of what he did. Now, are they, no, do, they need him? do they need him? Absolutely. But we're not going to go back in the welcoming, but that's exactly what I meant. If you put a true serum in him, he'd, he'd sit there and say, that's ridiculous. So How then why, why is he coming to, why is he coming this weekend? They don't want him? Well, he's, I coming, think he's because coming to see how much money he can. That's exactly why he's coming. And OU's going to have that new NIL thing and A&M's, you don't know what the crap's going down there. So you're saying if he commits, that's just not good. You, you think his character's bad? Is that what you're saying? How he handled it was horrible, and if he does commit OU, he should tell A&M, hey, guys, I'm a, I'm looking at this school. I'm just saying as an upfront person, and I, I don't want to hear the age. If there is anyone who's 18, 19, the right thing to do is to go tell someone that, hey, I, I'm not as strong on my commitment as I said I was. I mean – I'm not disagreeing with that. 
I'm not disagreeing with the way you handled it. It was wrong, yes. But you're saying that they should have cut ties with him, period. And you did say that. So I never said cut yes, ties. You, you said they should cut ties and not even offer him anymore. They should be done with him. Wash well, their hands clean of him. Jeremy, bro, I can pull it up. Tell him what I said. All, all I recall being all I recall hearing from that particular podcast was OU would not necessarily welcome David Hicks. I did not hear saying that you don't want him because no, he said Jeremy I think Jeremy made a point where he said who wouldn't want the number one defensive tackle in the class. I think he, he was said, more saying they wouldn't welcome him. That was him. me, I think. He said they should cut ties with him. I, I don't remember hearing that. All I remember hearing was they wouldn't welcome him. I mean, we can go back, but guys, let's be honest. He's making a visit because I honestly think this is my own opinion is I think deep down when if you watched the recruiting when he said he was committed to A&M, he did not look like he wanted to say that. It was very weird. And, mm -hmm. His parents and I feel like I feel like he he's always had this visit planned and he's going to come see if it still feels like home is what he's coming to see. So I have a theory on all of this, of it being uh, maybe he found out from A&M's NIL that uh, they no longer have the money in that fund because all that money's going towards the buyout. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe so. I mean, the way Jimbo's doing, it's almost like he's wanting to get bought out because he's not coaching. I would want to get bought out $86 million. Like, oh, exactly. Why not keep on losing? Exactly. Didn't David Hicks go to Oregon last weekend? Yeah. Him and Damian hey, Stamper so, left Oregon. So before we get off here, uh, or let's let's talk about I, I guess let's pick our player of the game and a score. Is that what we want to yeah. do? Or? Yeah. I think just scores, right? Well we can just do score. All right, let's just do score. I'll start. I think this is as Hunter said earlier, this is going to be a shootout. I see this as something in the up uh, uh, upper 30s, low 40s, and only because I'm wearing red-colored glasses, crimson-colored glasses, I'll, I'm going to say this, is 41-37 Sooners. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll start off next. I mean, as you guys know, <clears throat> Travis Davidson said he considers himself a sunshine pupper, and I think I'm the same way. I've said multiple times on this podcast – that OU is not going to lose a game this another game this year, which probably shouldn't have said, but I mean I did said I mean I did say, but you know I think I mean I really don't I don't know what the score is going to be, but just my gut is tell is telling me that OU is going to come out they're going to play like an inspired football team, you know, and I hope that they can realize that this I hope that some of these players can realize that. The game is more than just about them because there's some guys on the scene that have issues with thinking it's just about them and they're not getting playing time. So they're not going to provide energy for the rest of the team. But I think OU is going to win 31 to 24. Hey, I, I agree with a lot of you just said, I, but I mean, I would call myself a very uh, what's the word? Maybe not a sunshine pupper, but I try to be positive most of the time. However, it is very tough for me to sit right here and look at the same exact team that just lost to West Virginia and say, yeah, that team's going to win Bedlam. So I'm going to be picking OSU 31-28, to and I 
please, I really do hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. Guys, I'm just going to say a few words, and it's OU58, OSU24. What the? This is, wow. this is the first year in my life I have went into, honestly, any OU game thinking that we are going to lose and that that's a real possibility. I never thought that in any playoff game. I always believed we would find a way to win it. We never did. But I thought that pretty much every single game this year, I had a good amount of doubt in me that we were going to win the game. Not much, like very good chance of losing every single game. And I just, I really cannot logically pick OU to win this game. I mean, this team is just something else. Rivalry games out the window. It, they they don't care. Uh, Spencer Sanders is going to have 500-plus yards. Uh, I'm taking OSU 45-31. Uh, hopefully they prove me wrong. Hopefully uh, James being in attendance on the sideline uh, gives them the motivation they need to uh, – win this rivalry game and win a key game for the rest of our recruiting class as well as bowl eligibility. Thanks again, guys, for joining us today on the Sooner Surge. Uh, Make sure and follow us and subscribe to our podcast um, and also to our Twitter and Instagram at the Sooner Surge. Uh, Share this, please. Appreciate you all. Thank you.